What's up, guys? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. It is your Monday, October 24th edition, and we're here. I'm your host, Jake Burns, to recap what happened to the Browns in this 23-20 loss to uh, the Ravens. So I'm going to do a quick episode here before we do the deep dive that happens tomorrow night into your Tuesday. It is... Um, you know this is this is tough. These guys are these guys are now two and five with this loss, and and it's a it's a four game losing streak, which means as you know a month long stretch of losing football games, which is in and of itself entirely entirely difficult, challenging, all the above. And you can see this stuff starting to wear on the group. There were there were rumors of a, a locker room shouting you know match happening I who knows what the details of that are that's just what several people covering the game live said and I you know a lot of people afterwards Stefanski Batonio and others referenced that this is normal stuff given the nature of the frustration they're dealing with right now and again I do think there's a lot of built-up frustration because you know these guys are two and five and we've said it countless times over the past whatever week, couple weeks, three weeks, they they could easily have won a couple games here and they could easily be four and three or it could easily be five and two. And I, I get it. Margin fair in the NFL is super small, but it does feel like almost every break is going against the Browns. Outside of the Carolina field goal to win that opener, every single thing that has seemingly could go wrong for Cleveland in terms of game deciding plays has gone wrong. And that's extremely frustrating over the course of a month for a franchise like Cleveland who's trying to create any positive momentum. So they're 2 and 5 and and we'll look at the schedule, man. I mean, they play the Bengals this week at home Monday night football. They go to Miami and to Buffalo and then they host the Buccaneers. And that's the tough stretch, right? So in that tough stretch, can you win 3 games cuz that's what you've backed yourself into a corner to do. Now, you're probably laughing at that because obviously we've watched them lose four in a row here, but I think that outside of the New England game, we can all agree they've been in every game. They've lost four games by a total of 9 points this year. So they've been in games. You know, Miami, I watched them play Pittsburgh this week. It's not a great football team. Cincinnati has had weaknesses. Now they're playing well right now, but they've had weaknesses come up. The Buffalo game is brutal at Buffalo, but you you see Tampa Bay just got beat 21 to 7 by Carolina. So, all I'm saying is we're all really down. The Browns are down in-house. They're down uh, collectively at the top on down like the, everybody's feeling down low, uh, you know, the uh, morale is low. But there's still a lot to play for here. We talked uh, ad nauseum about before the season, can they get to 5 and 6? by the time they get better quarterback playback December 4th. And if they win three of the next four, they can. It's still there. I mean, what are you going to do, guys? Are you going to, at this point, they can't pack it in. They don't have a first-round pick. You're not improving your draft pick here. So they need to continue to play hard and push forward. And I would imagine they're they're going to do that because what other choice do you have? But there are, you know, some people who are giving up right now and I don't think it's a give-up time. I really don't. I mean, they should be pushing to get to five wins before December 4th and have a shot to close out the year because, yeah, you get Cincinnati-Baltimore again right back-to-back, but you get then New Orleans, not very good. Washington, not very good, and you close with Pittsburgh. So can you get to six or seven wins 
and have an outside shot at the playoffs by the time you get to week 16, 17, 18. There's a lot. All I'm saying is we're all really, really frustrated, and I get it if you just are giving up the podcast numbers of downloads. It tells me some people have given up on this whole thing. But if you're still listening, it's because you're a generally optimistic person. There are a lot of games here and a way to end this season with a lot of positivity heading into a 2023 year when you think, or you know, everybody thinks, you'll be at full strength and ready to go uh, from top down. So I, I just, I get it. It's four losses in a row. We haven't experienced that in a long time. But I, I think that it's important when you look at the schedule to think about how many things have gone wrong over those six weeks that include a Pittsburgh win, but just how many things have gone wrong over that stretch to cause those losses. It's sort of it's sort of crazy. It's sort of really crazy. So I just wanted to kind of give a little perspective to start the pod. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And uh, outside of this break, we're get back. We're going to talk about the stats and everything else behind this one. So we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, looking down Cleveland's side here, um, Nick Chubb goes 16 carries, 91 yards. You all want him to get more touches. I totally get it. The Browns found some really nice success running from the shotgun later in the game. They actually did not run very well under center, but they found some some shotgun stuff success with wide lateral runs. Penn pool was especially good for them where they ran three times in that scheme in the fourth quarter for thirty uh, over 40 yards. And then they also ran some counter stuff from the gun, which was pretty good. So the gun run stuff, very effective, as opposed to the under center uh, run stuff, which I don't think yielded more than uh, four yards per carry. It was under down three and a half or below. So that stuff wasn't good. Brissett ran three times for 18. Kareem Hunt five times uh, for four yards. He did get in the end zone. But I do also think we have to start having a conversation about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and the uh, idea of giving Kareem some of Nick's carries, right? I think that's worth discussing that the, the 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 detriment to the run game to me isn't always the volume, right? Over the last three years, I noted that the volume of running back runs, the Browns are second in the NFL to only the Titans. But Nick Chubb not getting enough, I think is justifiably a really good conversation point to have. Um, what's worth noting is that the Browns, I think, have picked up on how much better Nick is running the football than Kareem. Um, I got to give credit to uh, a fellow on Twitter because I didn't look this up, but it, it drove some discussion for us at the OBR. His name's at not J Daggle Daggle D A G L E. He said 
Um, Nick Chubb's share of backfield touches through week five of this year was only 59%. So Kareem was getting a lot. But his share of the last two games, Nick is at 76%. So it's worth noting when you're looking at stuff that like over again, that same 2020, 2021, 2022 stretch, Nick is top five, right? And some of the results uh, as a running back, he's top five, he's sixth, actually sixth in, in true rushes at 544. Behind guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Josh Jacobs, Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry. But down at 25th is Kareem Hunt. So that tells you that Kareem's getting top 25 touches in a suspension year. And the year last year, he was out with that calf issue for a long time. So all I'm saying is there's a discussion for me to be had around Nick getting more carries. And I think we've started to see that trend a little bit with Nick. And, and this game was another example of that. Jacoby Brissett was 22 of 27, 258, no turnovers, no touchdowns. Pretty efficient throwing it when he threw it. The problem was the five sacks. The Browns gave up five sacks, and I don't think the grading is going to be very kind to Jedrick Wills. Uh, the sacks went to Patrick Queen had one. Calais Campbell had one. Justin Houston abused Wills a couple times. He had two. Kyle Hamilton had one on a safety blitz. So the sack stuff hurt them. Obviously, a strip sack fumble. Took him out of field goal range once. Like they, those sacks were really pivotal. So Brissett was probably a B minus or B game. He wasn't bad. I thought he was he was above average in the game, but he wasn't great. And that's why we're frustrated because I again we're going to talk about the D. De- I thought the defense was good enough to win this game. I really do. I, I really thought they were good enough to win it. Finishing up stats on the Brown side: Amari Cooper three targets, sorry four targets, three catches, seventy four yards. Had a big fifty five yard chunk play that last man that last opi he did not need to push off at the end i'm really confused as to why he felt that was necessary it was so blatantly obvious he reaches that arm extends it he could have sort of curled back to it a little bit body position catch that thing so that was tough david Njoku, seven uh, target seven catches 71 yards continues to blossom he left with an ankle injury cut a shovel pass in the fourth quarter left with an ankle injury he played one more play after it uh, but he, he left with an ankle injury, and, and reports were crutches and a boot. So I didn't seem to think it was that serious an ankle sprain, but maybe you know, maybe it is. Donovan Peoples-Jones catches all six of his targets for 71 yards at a nice game. Uh, Nick Chubb caught two of his three targets, 16. Bryant, two of his two targets, 15. David Bell caught one of his targets for seven. And then Kareem Hunt caught one throw for four, and, and they, they couldn't connect on one of the, the screens in his direction. So... That's the Browns' offense. Defense was led by uh, seven Jacob Phillips tackles, uh, seven solo tackles. Sione Takitaki had seven collective. Delpit had seven. JOK, six. Deion Jones had five. Martin Emerson had four. He also had a sack. Miles Garrett had a sack. And then Taven Bryan also had a sack. And again, like I really thought they played this group well. I, I thought they played – I mean, I, I got I to gotta note this out – they held Baltimore to 94 passing yards. So that's two losses this year that have had some really, really random passing stats against the Browns. They lose the Atlanta game where Marcus Mariota completes seven total passes. They lose that game 23-20. to And they lose this game where, where Lamar Jackson's 9 of 16 technically throws for 120, but the sacks puts him back to net 94 passing yards for Baltimore. And they lose that one. 23-20 as well, ironically enough. So, man, that's tough. That's really tough. But the thing is, Baltimore did other things. And we'll look at both team stats, and then we'll cover what the Ravens did collectively. 
first downs are pretty even. Cleveland 18, 17 first downs for Baltimore. The difference, a huge difference on third down. Cleveland 2 of 11, Baltimore 7 of 15. So they were better at keeping drives alive, but the Browns collected more yards. I mean, significantly more yards. 336 to 254 in the total net yards. 56 plays, but Baltimore 63. Cleveland went for two more yards per play. Cleveland rushed for 113. Baltimore rushed for 160, which, again, how they run everything they do, keeping them to 160 is not a terrible outcome, especially when you hold them to 94 net passing yards. Cleveland was six penalties, and, man, I... I didn't lo- I didn't really think the officiating was great in this one. It wasn't as bad as people are making it out to be, but it certainly wasn't great. Six penalties for Cleveland, three for Baltimore, two turnovers for Cleveland, including really really just one. The last fumble uh, in, in desperation mode with like eight seconds left is not really a great example uh, in this one. I don't I don't believe at least so. Uh, it's, ba- it's basically one turnover to one. The strip sack of Brissett from Calais Campbell on the step-up third down throw, which was just crushing uh, in that one. And then a uh, um, you know, on Baltimore's side, uh, we know that they had that late fumble from uh, Justice Hill that ended up giving uh, Cleveland an opportunity. Uh, otherwise, three punts to three. I thought Baltimore punted it better. They deserve credit for punting it better. Flip field better than Cleveland did. Uh, field goal again the difference two for two both teams two touchdowns apiece Cleveland two for three on field goals Baltimore three for three and Baltimore did possess the football for 10 minutes more Gus Edwards had 19 sorry 16 carries 66 yards two touchdowns Lamar Jackson 10 for 59 Justice Hill five for six uh, sorry five for 26 and that fumble Kenyon Drake ran 11 times for five yards and then they put Mark Andrews in the backfield one time for four yards and then receiving Four catches, 42 for Bateman. Three, sorry, two catches, 42 for Duvernay. Patrick Ricard, who's just the weirdest NFL player, lineman, fullback type, trotting in motion all the time, super slow-mo. He goes two carries for 20 yards. And then Isaiah likely has one for 16. But they, like I said, they didn't have a ton of receiving yards. They really didn't. The defense, Patrick Queen had 11 tackles, thought he played very well. He had a sack. Uh, Chuck Clark had nine tackles, seven for Geno Stone, five for Marlon Humphrey, and then Calais Campbell had four, uh, obviously indicating his uh, pressure that he was able to create inside. So those are the stats, the raw stats. We're going to kind of put a bow on this thing, man. I I don't think it needs to be entirely too long, some of these. Uh, I, I would just say that I understand where everybody's at, the frustration uh, of of this game everything around it. And again, if you're interested in the granular details of starting to consume the all 22, we'll break that down on the comprehensive review. But this is, I just think we're in the trenches of a tough season right now. And we, we thought this could be a tough season, but maybe some of us weren't mentally prepared for how tough this season would actually end up becoming. So um, I want to give everybody like <laughs> an acknowledgement to, uh, sort of uh, talking through that, that that the Browns might have known this was coming, a chance this was coming, and we might have had discussions around this coming, but being in it is not fun. Winning football, and l- listen, like, we can say all we want, and I've had rants on here the last two weeks uh, after tough losses that, you know, it shouldn't move us, and we can do different things with the We're, you know, I'm like, I can't just give it up. I can't give it up. I mean, I was grown, I was brought up in a sports environment and if sports are just not a part of my life, which I'm not playing anything as an adult, obviously, if they're just not a part of my life, it's hard. so it's hard for me 
when I invested so much energy into sports when I was younger to be to to be committed to this organization and not have it bother me when they lose. I try my best, and I'm sure some of you do too, and kudos to you if you have figured out how to avoid this, but like, it's really hard to not let it move you, bother you, annoy you, and I think that is what is the most challenging part of a four-game losing streak. So, you know, like I said, the stats are there for you. We'll talk about the PFF grades and everything tomorrow. We'll dig into the details. I thought Baltimore gave Cleveland some real fits in how they approached uh, linebacker blitzes that confuse Cleveland. And we got to talk about how teams are manipulating protection to really mess with the Browns up front and create some free rushers. They're doing a good job of that. And I also think Joe Woods did a pretty decent job calling defense in this game because the Browns were in a lot of really good places with guys and, and gave Baltimore some serious headaches. So again, if you're interested in those details, check in on the comprehensive all 22 review. That'll be out tomorrow. Plenty of stuff covering this game. The reason why things came to be the way they did will be up at the OBR for you to consume tomorrow. Check that out. Thanks for stopping by on a Monday. I know these podcasts have not been fun. I'm just dying to give you guys a victory podcast of some variety. We'll see if they give a victory Tuesday after Monday Night Football next week. But this this fan base needs it bad. We all need it bad, and I hope they can figure it out soon. So, listen, take care. Have a great Monday. Thanks for stopping by and supporting the OBR the way you guys do. It means everything to me. Those of you who are loyal listeners still checking in on this pod, very much appreciated. Have a great Monday, guys, and go Browns.